This is Alexander Aleem, one half of the AOA Lessons in Leadership podcast host. I am flying solo today in the host category, but I'm excited to be joined by Trent Guthrie, orthopedic trauma surgeon and program director from Henry Ford Medical Center in Detroit. We are going to do a very special short podcast version related to some cord issues, specifically signaling a new aspect coming into the application process this summer. Trent, as you know, I am the uh, residency program director at WashU, so this is something that also we are very interested in. Maybe first, just give us the 30,000-foot view of what exactly is signaling, and how did you get picked to be the signaling expert for CORD? Thanks for having me here. How did I get picked? Well, Tessa Balachuk had put together a lot of working groups to try and address some of the problems that we see in application and other residency issues, and... I was appointed to the application limits working group, as it was called. Interestingly, as we got into it a little bit, we came to quickly realize that we're not going to be able to truly limit the number of applications. But I decided with the help of our group to maybe pivot more to thinking about value. How do we add value to this application process? And when you look at the current numbers that we have, 1,700 plus applicants, all applying to 80 plus programs each, there's very little value in that application as a signal from the applicant to the program. So when you're applying everywhere, you're not really showing your interest, if you will. It's just what everybody's done. And so if we can add value to that so that applicants truly can show programs that they are interested in going there. And from a program standpoint, can we cut down on some of that churn of so many applications and so many interviews to get people who realistically have a good chance of fitting in your program, matching at your program and excelling in your program? That was the start of the process. And so we came upon signaling, preference signaling as a means to that end. When you look at some other specialties who have done this before, otolaryngology started two cycles ago and they used their own website to do the signaling. They had five signals that applicants could give to show their top preferred programs. And when you used those five signals over a couple cycles there, one interesting phenomenon that came out of that was that the majority of signals were sent to a small minority of programs. So in other words, the top 50% we're going to 25% of programs. And this past cycle, the AMC through ARIS started a, a pilot program to include some supplemental application materials. One piece of that supplemental application is preference signaling. Three specialties signed on last year as a pilot. I believe it's up to 18 programs this year. But what they saw was some of the same thing, that the majority of signals went to a small minority of programs. And to us, that was because you had such a small number of signals. In an effort to get enough signals to go to the right places and add value for those applicants and for the programs, we decided to go with a much larger number of signals and settled on 30 for a number of different reasons. There's a little bit of literature out there from other specialties and just crunching some numbers about match rates and the length of a rank order list and those sorts of things. We felt like 30 would give enough signals so that applicants could then send it to a broad spectrum of programs. And then rather than concentrating at the top, they'd be able to spread them over all programs. Yeah. It's interesting because I think the history of this was from ENT, it was five. And when I first heard 30, I was thinking to myself, holy crap, that's like entirely too many. But 
then seeing some of the data that you presented where it makes sense that, you know, if you have five, you're going to shoot your shot, if you will, and you're going to try to get those aspirational programs, but 30 may actually be a more representative sample. I guess the question that a lot of people have is, well, isn't this just the de facto application limit? Because if we're signaling 30 programs, what's in it for programs to not review applications that haven't sent a signal? And I know there's some language with an ERAS saying you have to review every single application just because there's a signal or not. But I guess some of the concerns from students are, well, this is basically saying these are my 30. And if I don't send a signal, what's my chances of really getting an interview at a program? You don't have to look too far to see that hey, this was the application limit working group and now we came up with this signaling process. I mean, (laughs) uh, it's not a big leap there. But I think, again, heading back to our pivot of how do we add value to the process? And I think the value there is not the shotgun to 80, 100 plus programs, but how can I really cultivate this list of programs that I'm really interested in, I know about, and I would fit well in their system? So I think that over time, any piece of data that you give to a program director, they're going to use to make their decisions about who they're going to review and who they're going to interview, period. Whether we say so or not, we've done that for years with board scores and grades and AOA and on and on and on. So we are joined by Dr. Tessa Balich, who is the president of the CORD meetings this year, running a great seminar. And we're joined by Trent Guthrie. We're talking about signaling. We had already asked about sort of what signaling was and why we're doing it. And now I guess the question I had was 30. Is that really just a de facto application limit? And I'm already getting emails from students, as I'm sure y'all are as well, about how do I know what 30 programs to apply to? Or if 31 is really a program interest in, how do I make them know that I'm really, really interested? And I think there's some anxiety about that number, but how we can sort of approach that and deal with that and make sure we delay some of those anxieties with our students. That was really a big concern of our working group going through this is how do we get the right number and how do we get to a number where if we're picking five, what about that sixth program? Just like you said, with 30, what about that 31st program? And I think that's why we went with a much larger number than had been done historically in the past was to really make sure that you can have a broad spectrum of your programs within that number of signals. The language that we have used very purposefully is to make sure that the intent is not to have a de facto limit at this point. The intent is not to encourage program directors to only interview those who are signaled. I think that we need to continue to really look at all applications, just as we've seen over the past few years, the number of unmatched applicants has gone up significantly. I think we're going to have an even bigger explosion going forward in that group there are some tremendous individuals that absolutely deserve to be an orthopedic surgery resident. And I think we need to be very careful not to overlook those individuals. So I am one program director. I can only speak for myself, but yes, I'm going to look at signals. Yes, I'm going to consider them as highly interested applicants, but I'm still going to look at every application going forward. And to address the point of how do you pick those 30 and figure out that part of your list? We know students are applying to many, many more than 30 programs. So that application in and of itself is a signal of interest. It's, I am interested in going to that program. The goal with the signals is to express additional interest in those few, and in this case, many more than like actual few, but in those 30. And this is where advising comes in, and it's been a topic of conversation in CORD and within the CORD community for 
Oh gosh, a long time, but it really feels like it's the volume in that conversation has been turned up with the huge number of applications that all of our programs are seeing, the high unmatched rates, et cetera. And so we want to encourage students, faculty, program directors, associate program directors, our clerkship directors, non-orthopedic medical school faculty to really sit down and have conversations about what is that ideal number of A, how many programs to apply to, which programs to really apply to, and then where to focus those signals. The nice thing about having 30 is that you can spread them out. Some to those top tier or reach programs, maybe for an applicant, similar to sort of how we all approach college applications, or maybe that's just me and I'm dating myself when I applied to a small number of colleges, but it really speaks to the need for advising and lean on your mentors and mentors support your students to help them through these anxious times and help relieve some of that anxiety by just giving them good counsel. Yeah, I think that's, again, back to the point of adding value to the process. I think the advising piece was really important here. And for the past years to decades even, I feel like the advice to give medical students was, well, just apply everywhere. Right. There's no value to that. You're not really targeting anything there. And you might end up matching. It likely, for the majority of people, is not going to be necessarily the ideal fit that you could have had otherwise. And so, again, trying to add value back to that, trying to narrow that down, and then trying to have some purpose to those signals, to those applications is crucial to this process. That brings up, I guess, two kind of logistical questions that I'm getting asked a lot is, one, should students signal their home program? And then two, what about away rotations? You know, we're back to most places having the normal distribution of away rotations, this application cycle, which obviously the last two years has been a huge hindrance because we rely so much on that. And that's, you know, probably the ultimate signal is spending a month at a place. Should students be using those as signals or should they put those in their pocket? And that saves them maybe three to five signals that they can then go to other places in their general application. Right. So again, that was something we really talked about and different specialties have done it differently in the past. What we wanted to do was to really make sure that applicants were interested in the programs that they signaled. So our advice, you'll see it on the frequently asked questions on the CORD website. You'll see it through the supplemental application guide in ARIS. We want to be very transparent about this, but we want applicants to signal every program to which they're interested, meaning you should signal your home program if you're interested in staying at your home program. You should signal all of your away rotations if you're interested in those away rotations. We wanted to give the freedom and flexibility for applicants to be able to say, okay, well, during my away rotations, I want to go try out a community hospital. I want to go try out a big academic hospital. I want to go to a big city. I want to go to a rural place and kind of see what fits for me. And the next step of that is there may be things that don't fit for you. So you may have rotated at a place that just didn't fit for you. And we want to make sure that you're not, quote unquote, wasting a signal on that program. So if you went to a place and you really didn't like it and didn't get along, then please don't use a signal on that. But if you loved all of your away rotations and your home program, then you should signal all those places. Trent, this is a new process for us in orthopedic surgery. We are piloting this for the first time in conjunction with ERS and the double AMC. How do we as program directors make sure that our programs are in the pool of those that a student can send a signal to? As you said, we are partnering with ARIS and uh, AAMC to have this as part of the supplemental application pilot project that they're doing. 
since we have opted in as a specialty, when all programs go into ARIS to sign the participation agreement for this cycle, there's a simple checkbox to opt in for the supplemental application. And once you check that box and complete your participation agreement, then you are listed as an available program. And the next step is for all applicants to also opt in when they do their participation agreement with ARIS. And they will have a separate supplemental application to fill out that will give, in addition to the preference signaling information that we have talked about, that will be a drop-down list of all the programs and they will pick 30. In addition to that, there is signaling on a geographic preference if applicants have that. We've had some discussion about that. I think it's a little bit redundant and maybe confusing, particularly since we have the 30 signals. You can certainly use your 30 signals to have a geographic preference. I think that there are some perhaps some rare circumstances where applicants may want to use that, but you can certainly show that you have no geographic preference in that section. Another really interesting piece is the past experiences section. And this is an area where applicants can really highlight some of their experiences that they have listed on their application before, but now we can get some additional data about how those experiences were important, why they were important. And I'm Curious to see how that works out going forward, because I do think that'll be another valuable tool for us as program directors. Great. So programs and applicants need to opt in for the supplemental application when they sign the participation agreement in ERAS, and that's where the preference signals live. Correct. Perfect. One follow-up to that is, I think a part of the conversation we were having about supplemental applications before signaling was, do we ask applicants to fill out like secondary essays or anything? Is that a requirement of this supplemental application or is it purely if a program just says drop down, pick us, we don't need you to add anything else like why I'm interested in your program or is there an opportunity for a program to ask an applicant to add in any sort of extra personal statement, essay, something like that? There isn't anything within the ARIS supplemental application where that could be done. Historically, a number of residency programs have asked applicants outside of that process to do an additional supplemental application, whether it's an essay or some of the questions they may have. That is completely still up to programs if they want to have that additional step for applicants. There is nothing in the supplemental application agreement that forbids that. So I suspect that will continue to be the same as it has been in the past. But not an extra requirement for programs should they want to be part of that, correct? Correct. Yeah. I think that was something that they come up a couple of times is do we have to add in anything? Because I think we are supplemental and that means add any sort of essays. No, opting in for the supplemental application doesn't require the programs to do any additional work. It provides the applicants an opportunity to really add supplemental information to their application, whether in the form of some more detail about meaningful experiences, sharing information about geographic preferences, and then sharing their signaling preferences. So it's really an opportunity for the applicant to add additional information to their application. And I think that's really helpful, especially as you kind of mentioned for the people advising students to know that, because I think this is a new year, new kind of frontier for all of us. So the more of us that kind of know exactly the logistics of this, we can hopefully help advise our students with what they want to do. I think July 1 is when applications go live. Is that correct? 
So looking at the date, yes. So the participation agreement for programs, we have to sign up by July 1. That's the deadline for that. The other deadlines will be similar to what they have been in the past for applicants to get their applications in. And then when those applications open to programs don't have the date on me, it's usually right around the 1st of October. Yeah. And one thing to add about that opt-in piece that needs to be done by July 1st in order for programs to participate in the supplemental application is if you as a program have already done your participation agreement and said, oh gosh, I don't know what the supplemental application is. We're not going to do it. But now hearing this informative podcast, you've changed your mind and want to participate, which we certainly encourage all of our programs to do. You can go back and change that up until July 1st. I think this has been a great summary of everything we have to do with signaling. The next topic will probably be later in the year in terms of a universal offer day and then interviews because we just had that. I think it was two days after we talked about virtual versus in-person interviews, Copa came out with that statement. So uh, more to come on that, but we won't take up too many people's times. Trent Tessa, this is awesome. Thank you so much for helping get us through the signaling thing and looking forward to seeing how this hopefully helps add value to application process and really help students kind of highlight themselves and make this process a little less stressful for us. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Thanks.